0: You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips.
1: Hey, it's Scott, and welcome back to yet another episode of Spin Magazine's Lip Service. My next guest is a force of nature. I actually saw him at the Troubadour last October, and I might be so bold to say he could be this generation's next Elton John. In fact, Elton John is one of his fans, along with many celebrities like Kate Hudson, Hillary Swank, Madonna, Ryan Reynolds, Zoe Kravitz, Sam Smith and many, many more. I think you're going to really, really enjoy this interview. He's a great guy with a great story. Lots of new music that's coming out and touring later this year. Paper Magazine urge, give Jake Wesley Rogers a stadium. I concur. Coming up in just a moment, Mr. Jake Wesley-Rogers on lip service. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots tagline is highest quality honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's boot company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. More importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursdays Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it.
0: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, howdy-do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me. Fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts is Lips
1: LA. Hey, it's Scott, and welcome back to another episode of Spin Magazine's Lip Service. I'm sitting with the incredible Jake Wesley Rogers. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I'm great, I'm great. It's so great to see you. I was saying to Darren that I saw you at the Troubadour last October, and one of the best shows I have seen in years. You are incredible. I'm a fan for life. By the Thank way, you. amongst your fans, you have so many celebrity fans. You have Kate Hudson, Hilary Swank, Ryan Reynolds, Zoe Kravitz, Courtney Love, who I play with, and... <laughs> Elton John, who we'll get into that relationship and how you guys came to meet and, and obviously your whole history. But, but yeah, I, I, I want to say first and foremost, what a great show. Mm. What a great performer. Thank you. And, uh, and I want to talk about your whole journey, Jake. So let's start from the beginning, really. Um, take me back to a little... The show is a little bit about like this is your life and your history. Yeah. And obviously we'll get into all your new music. But take me back a little bit to the beginning, how you grew up. I think you grew up in Kansas City. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was born
2: in Missouri.
1: Missouri. And, uh, and just a little bit about music around you. I think your mom was a DJ, a rock and roll DJ. She was. I know. I kind of feel comfortable here. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about all the music you grew up around and sort of what got you into music early on. Because I think guitar was your first instrument. Uh, ironically, there's not a lot of guitar in your music now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it Sort of intentional. <laughs> yeah. Mainly because in high school, I would play in bands and I, I always played keyboard. And all the the guitar players their amps are always so loud so i think i sort of just subconsciously like took them out of the band but i'm bringing them back slowly i'm starting to love it again (laughs) i was
1: going to say on your new single which we'll get into it feels more almost rock oriented more more sort of pop rock but so early on it was who are the artists that were inspiring you
2: oh i mean yeah my mom worked in rock radio like you mentioned and so i was was going to a lot of you know like late nineties, early two thousands rock concerts. But I feel like I always loved pop music the most, you know, there's just something about it. Like, you know, when I was young, it was Brittany and Christina Aguilera. And there's just something about like the spectacle of it and the performance of it. And I think I loved, cause I was obsessed with this one, Britney Spears DVD and I just loved watching her. And I loved like the sets and the performance and, 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 you know it it was so theatrical and I I think I think that's what I really loved and I think my first kind of big big love in music was um My Chemical Romance when I was pretty young because they released Welcome to Black Parade when I was like 10 and I just rinsed that album because it's just <laughs> and it holds up it's still yeah. so good um and I I, I kind of forgot that that was such a big influence on me because it you know, it's a concept. It was my first kind of step into, like, what a concept album is, too. Yeah. And, and their visuals were just so stunning. And, and shortly after that, I got so into Gaga, too, which, yeah. like, of course, was a huge spectacle. And, of course. And, but my parents kind of raised me on, like, um, on 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 rock, um, you know, at that time, current rock. But, you know, my my dad was, you know, really into everything from, the Eagles to, to funk music to, I don't know. It was really just like a, it was a pretty wide spectrum, um, of music. And, and high school is kind of when I feel like I started going really back. Like that's when I started like actually listening to, you know, Elton and, and Queen and Fleetwood Mac. And that's, that's when I was like, oh, who are these people that actually influence the people that I've been listening to my whole life? So
1: Yeah, I was going to say, everyone has like a Fleetwood Mac phase. Oh, my God. Me included. Yes. Um, such a huge influence. Stevie Nicks, incredible. Yeah. Um, have you seen them, by the way? Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I saw them on the, I think their like first reunion tour when it was the five of them like five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, high school was like fully just a, a Fleetwood
1: Mac hole that I fell into, (laughs) and and haven't really come out, but. (laughs) Were were your parents encouraging for you to get into music? Obviously, you know, your mom being a rock DJ, were they pushing you towards music, or were they like, hey, you know, maybe you should do something else in life, or was there a conscious effort to sort of steer you in that direction?
2: I don't think they ever had to push me. Um, (laughs) I think they were probably glad that I had something to put my energy into, because I'm sure, I know I had a lot of energy. Um and they're very supportive and um really wanted me to music even in moments where I didn't really even believe in myself like I remember when I, I I applied to one college to study music and songwriting and I got in and I was like I don't I don't know and they're like no you have to go like we'll figure it out so yeah really when I they they were never you know they weren't like stage parents like you have to do this but they they definitely made it clear that if I want to do it? I can which is I mean more than I can ask for you know
1: yeah there's a a great TikTok that you put up not long ago and I've been a big fan of your TikTok recently too where you talk about buying your mom a vintage (laughs) Jaguar so every time you guys get to go on stage and you do a little huddle with the band and I think at the end you say something like Jaguar yeah Jaguar on three yeah (laughs) my
2: mom said that when I was really young not really young but like kind of when I started doing this because she was helping me out a lot early on kind of jokingly my momager um she's really not like when you hear the word momager it's she's the most chill one you probably could have ever met not my manager anymore (laughs) but she was i have one now yeah yeah yeah. well she's just helping a lot because you know i think because she she was in radio but kind of knew enough that like people can really get taken advantage of in this industry really fast especially when you're young so um but yeah she always said like no commission no money but just she really wants a vintage Jaguar, and I'm like, oh, okay, we'll we'll, we'll get, make it happen. We'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah.
1: I could see that happening for very soon if it hasn't happened well, already. By the way, but talk me through a little bit of your early life. So, uh, was there a, a sort of religious? Uh, obviously, you grew up in like the Bible Belt, I believe, yeah. right? So, was it a very religious childhood for you? Or
2: yeah, I don't, I don't remember religion being like super influential in my early childhood. You know, we were Methodists, and I feel like Methodists is pretty watered down and chill um <laughs> but but being in the bible belt i didn't really notice it till i was older until you know i got at puberty and obviously realized i was gay as hell and <laughs> they was all around i was like oh like, this is weird and you go to school and everyone's talking about these things and saying you're going to hell and all this so that's kind of when it started affecting me but it really wasn't in my nuclear family as much as it was like you know in Missouri there's mega churches like you throw a rock and yeah hit a mega church (laughs) so (laughs) so that's kind of how I kind of got it by just being around it
1: and then early on you started performing really young at Mm -hmm. 13 14 almost like a child prodigy
2: Uh, I I, I mean I wouldn't say that was (laughs) probably pretty mediocre
1: but (laughs) (laughs) but were you performing you know at at your school were you performing at you know your family what what was it earlier? i
2: i started doing theater when i was like 11 and you know we moved to springfield missouri and there's this amazing community theater there um i think that place kind of saved my life too because no matter what was going on at school or whatever i had this kind of freaky little place where everybody was a freak and we just dance and sing and I think that's also when I just realized how much I love performing Mm. you know I like I like writing songs because I like telling my story but I just there's nothing really compares to
1: going on stage definitely and I would say you know some of my favorite singers be it you know Freddie Mercury or Mick Jagger I mean obviously theater is such an integral part of that performance if you watch someone like Freddie Mercury an incredible performer Mm -hmm. and you have that so obviously you know theater probably had a big hand in shaping how you went on to perform. Do you you think that it did?
2: I think so. You know, I mean, we had this really amazing and intense director named Laurie and she just always talks so much about energy and Mm. like, you know, like just little things like when the song is over, like holding the pose and just like standing in the energy and like, like not just going to the next thing, like little things like that, that like, when you go see someone play and you see them lose themselves, like ideas like that, like were, were shown to me really young. Mm. I didn't really understand it then, but I think I understand it more now what she was talking about. Definitely. And granted we were doing like, I don't know, like some, like Alice in Wonderland Jr. or something <laughs> <Right>. but, like, <laughs> but it, it all connects
1: yeah you it know? definitely does and it definitely carries over to where you're at now so yeah. so you start before me at 13 14 I happened to stumble upon this uh great video of you on YouTube like 15 America's Got Talent <laughs> I think I think you were 15 right yeah what was that like what was that experience like leading up to that at that mm. point were you like I made it or did you think you know I don't love this industry I have some doubts about getting into the industry what was the experience like for you overall
2: Yeah, it was complicated, because I was 14 when I auditioned for America's Got Talent, and at that point, it was like, that's just kind of what it seemed like I should do, you know? I'm 14, I'm not old enough to audition for, like, The Voice, and I'm in Missouri, and everybody watches watches these shows, and, you know, I asked my parents, like, can we go do this? And they're like, yeah, go take you to audition, you know? And I did, and ended up getting further along than i thought i would and at that time it was i mean it was a huge learning yeah. lesson because it is a pretty dark version of the entertainment industry mm-hmm. in that like it's not it's not really about the music it's just about you know the drama and i was
1: gonna say the drama yeah. The, perf-
2: the performative nature of it all so it was really disorienting honestly to but one of the biggest learning lessons in my life was just that I, I, you know, I went back to Missouri after I was 15. Everyone in your little towns kind of looking at you like, Oh my God, you did it. And you're like, I don't feel like (laughs) I did it. And, 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 and and I think in that moment I, I didn't realize it, but I made a a choice. I was like, you know, this is probably going to be really long road. Mm. And for some reason I, Decided to keep going down because that little quick fix didn't do it for me at all.
1: Yeah. How far along did you get in the process with the show? Um, it, it doesn't really show you on yeah,
2: YouTube. Yeah, so. I know. It's kind of like pre YouTube. So a lot of the clips are like weird and like they're like a half step down or something. I don't know how it works. <laughs> 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 but um, I made it to like one live round. I think it was like the quarterfinals. And then, and then I was eliminated. And then like Sharon Osborne brought me back for mm. like the wild card thing so yeah i did kind of like two
1: live performances and do you get to pick the song or do they give you the song (laughs) to perform how does that work i don't even know how that process that's a good question
2: i well i really wanted to do the chain oh so bad and i also wanted to do a florence and the machine song and you know i sent my kind of like i want to do these songs i love these songs and then they send back like i'm like no you can't and they send you back like the weirdest five songs you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and you're like, maybe maybe they don't want me <laughs> to do super well. What were the songs? Um well I ultimately ended up doing like to- I think Toxic by Brittany Spears, which is obviously one of the best songs sure. ever. Um and I did Edge of Glory by Gaga, but I don't even want to remember the other ones. They're just really random. And I rem the mainly I just remember being like, Oh, I didn't really get to like do the song I wanted for whatever reason, yeah. and it doesn't really matter now.
1: But. Well, now they should be sorry that you didn't win, because obviously you've gone on to do way better <laughs> than a lot of people. That I'm that glad shot. I didn't win, because <laughs> those contracts, if you win, uh, yeah. are scary, scary, scary. They, they own you for yes. life, I'm sure. <laughs> so talk me a little bit about, Jake, you you moved to Nashville uh, at some point. I think you what, maybe 18, 19 when you moved there? Yeah. And that really started to shape your career, and actually started you on your, your journey in songwriting, I believe, too, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. I went there to study
2: songwriting at school and um you know the school I went to is kind of like within the Nashville industry a bit and um I like played this little showcase my freshman year and it ended in a publishing deal so pretty quickly I was like writing songs professionally whatever that means and I had no idea what I was doing
1: but essentially, you moved there. You didn't really know anyone in Nashville, mm-hmm. and you had to build a community. There is a great community there for musicians, yeah. obviously. So, yeah. how did you meet the right people? How did you get in the showcase? How did it all happen for you?
2: I mean, I really just point it all back to like playing my songs, and mm. just you know, when I I look back to those moments where the doors opened, and it was really just because I sat down at the piano and sang a song that I wrote, that I did never think would you know get me in front of this person or that person it's just me me being me so that's why i really believe in the power of authenticity and just and just not trying to follow trends or anything just because that's what's opened the doors over and over again so i kind of just showed up to nashville with a few songs (laughs) but did you start performing there early on
1: yeah had had you known people that. You know, you met other musicians and you started to play out a little bit here and there.
2: Yeah, you know, just kind of like the natural thing. Like a friend asks you to like open yeah. or like yeah. stuff like you just kind of meet people as you go. And, you know, Nashville's is a really interesting place. And I'm I'm glad I live there because I think it, it taught me how to really honor a song, and mm. construct a song. I'm like such a geek about lyrics. Yeah. Um, probably to a fault sometimes that I probably like really annoy people that i'm trying to write a song with because i just i really just can't just put a lyric in that doesn't matter um it just kind of kills me so <laughs>
1: and i think nashville does that best um yeah but it's fairly unheard of that you would go to nashville and do a showcase and get a publishing deal like literally like right after oh, it was for super. A showcase. yeah
2: i i was really in shock and it really like I didn't really know what any of it meant either. And I feel like no one really told me. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of just had to learn. But it was an interesting time because, you know, Nashville was and is kind of going through a growing phase. Where, like, I moved there 2015. That was right when some, like, labels and publishing were like, we need to, you know, start working with more, you know, pop artists. Because it's so country. The infrastructure mm. there is so country. It still is. If anybody tells you it isn't. They're lying. It's country. Um, and, but they're trying, you know, I think there's moments where people come out of there that aren't. And um, yeah, so I think I did, It was, I think it just kind of felt like the right timing. Like I just, I came in there, I played my little song and the piano and they liked it. And for better, or for worse, I don't really think they knew what to do with me. Yeah. But, but because of that, I was kind of just allowed to like, really figure out what i wanted to say and i'm so grateful for that time because i mean i went insane for a while because i i did know what i wanted to say mm. i think that's the most important thing as an artist is just to say something with conviction um and i'll never forget uh i remember i heard um brandy carlisle's record by the way forgive you in 2018 and it was right around that time and she said it you know she just like I heard it, I heard her truth, and it was like this huge turning point. And, yeah. You know, that record was made in Nashville, and it just all kind of clicked. And I was living right on Music Row, and I realized I was living, like, right next to where she recorded it. So I Amazing. feel like I, that really affected me, and really... I really soaked it up. So,
1: Do you think it, it took you a while to find your true voice? Because obviously you got in the room early on, writing with people, and, and sometimes it clicks, and sometimes it doesn't yeah. click. And, and sometimes it does take a while as an artist to really find your true self, and as you mentioned, authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's a lot about what you stand for. So how long did it take you to think to find really who you were in terms of songwriting and, and that mm-hmm. whole process, after writing with some people that probably didn't click right away?
2: Yeah, it was, I mean... I'm still figuring it out, but you've definitely figured it out. Uh, thank you, thank <laughs> yeah. you. I have more <laughs> proof now, but yeah. you know, it took a few it took a few years. Mm. I think we really have to we have to imitate before we innovate mm. in so many ways. And um, I kind of had to try a million things, and it also took me a long time to like, you know, really own who I was. I'd already come out, but like, it was one thing to like go into a room with mostly no offense to anybody just (laughs) straight cisgendered men and then be like in Nashville and you know and just be like my boyfriend you know like it was just even though most people are pretty chill at least in the music industry like it took me a while just to kind of own myself and I think right as I started owning myself is when it all sort of clicked and I was able to write about it but songs for me I mean I you know I was writing songs before I came out, and they were always kind of this, like, sort of prophetic, like, things I wasn't able to say yet.
1: I would say somewhat off. autobiographical. A lot of your writing comes within that, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah.
2: You know, I, I do like for it to be my story for the most
1: part, and, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and along the way, you meet Justin Tranner, who's an incredible writer, uh, has a label with Warner Brothers, who you know now signed mm-hmm. to. And you start working with Justin. And tell me about that experience. He's actually sent you like a DM or something, right? And yeah. I think that's how you met. And when you get that DM from Justin, mm-hmm. who I'm sure you were a fan of growing up and you knew his work, were you like, wait, because Justin was also in Semi-Precious Weapons yeah. and uh, and writes with everyone from, obviously we spoke about Courtney Love for a little bit, and but, mm-hmm. but a host, of, I mean, so many great artists from Bieber to Gaga and everyone. And I, and I think you saw him open up for Gaga when you were yeah. like 12. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was definitely
2: aware and such a fan of Justin and all they've done over the years um and yeah I, I yeah all I was like in London writing and got this DM that they had just heard uh, uh, again talking about like you know my song was just there and yeah. it was just the song I wrote called Jacob from the Bible which is like a gay love story comparing to <laughs> Jacob from the Bible. <laughs> so it's always the most random things. And I was singing in a church and they said they like watched it all night and um we just started working together and it was a dream because I think with Justin it's all just about giving enough space to like tell my truth. Mm. And I don't I haven't found that with a lot of writers, you know think there's a sometimes a lot of ego involved in writing songs and you know people even if they don't realize it want you to sound a certain way and with justin it was just like get like basically let's all get out of the way and let the best song come through yeah. like taking jake's ego out of it too yeah you know and and we have so much in common too i feel like
1: um that's just we have pretty good batting average too, which I like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you get in the room with someone like Justin, what's the process like working with him and writing songs? Do you come in with an idea? Does he come in with an idea? Um, usually, I don't know. What I've realized is like the,
2: the best songs we've written, like are very spontaneous mm. and it's kind of just like I said, getting out of the way. Yeah. And like, letting, sometimes it'll start with a story. Like sometimes I'll be like, okay, I'm kind of thinking of this or like, you know, we usually always work with um, an amazing writer, producer, Aaron Kanata. And sometimes he's like playing his acoustic and, you know, um, like when we wrote Middle of Love, like, I guess like a couple months before I had written those first lyrics and it was like very slow and because that's my like default is just yeah. like ballad, <laughs> right. not, like just me brooding over the piano is kind of natural me. Um,
1: Pluto, which was an amazing exactly, song. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Kind of like that's that's more my normal tempo, and then but that day was I think Justin was like, "What if we just, what if we just put a click and make it this fast?" You know. So it's kind of that's what I like about Justin too, because it is very gentle. It's just like a suggestion. I don't have to do it, um, but obviously it turned out great, and you know that little ballad turned into. like a very
1: anthemic, upbeat, Moment. Yeah, you know, I heard, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that you actually used to storyboard your ideas for songs. So, and you, you're very organized, like I am too. And I guess <laughs> everything's like in emails and folders, yeah. and it's like here all my songs storyboarded before I've even written them, which is <laughs> incredible. You never, know, you don't really hear about the writing hmm. process done like that. Is that sort of how some of your ideas came about? Like maybe there were like picture inspirations or just concepts that you had first.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, a lot of it's very visual. I feel like I usually start with like a mood board. Um, Which is amazing. At least the last couple projects I have. um, And even now, as I'm kind of gearing up to write my first full length and and finish that, it's like, it's
1: very conceptual before it's even actual. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So, what was the story behind Darkbird? It was something regarding a tattoo, I believe, right?
2: Yeah. um, I, well, Darkbird for me, like I, I, last May, you know, I went through this big breakup and put all my stuff in storage, left Nashville. And I went to New Orleans because something just told me to go to New Orleans. It was kind of like a gut feeling that didn't really make sense. But I'm glad I did, because right when I did, that was kind of when everything opened up. Mm. You know, I felt like um, that's kind of right when the music started happening and we were releasing everything and it's a really magical time. And I just met some really powerful people. And one of these people, one of this, this person, they had this raven tattoo and, um, they're from Alaska. And they told me this story of, um, um, where they're from this indigenous story of the raven. Um, and in the story, the, the, the eagle has the sun, um, and the world is dark. So it's a creation story. And the raven is this trickster disguises itself and steals the sun from the eagle and mm. gives her away. race. So it was this intimate moment with the as They told me this. And um, we were sitting by like the Mississippi River and, and they just kept saying like, steal the sun, steal the sun, steal the sun. You know, it's <laughs> like, and it's, like, it kind of became this like, you know, this mantra in me to steal the sun and that it is our, it's, it's our, darkest qualities that connect us. That yeah. Make us the most human and nothing human is alien. And and all those qualities bring so much light to us. So that song's kind of, you know, it's like, it's kind of celebrating the like, okay, just burn your whole life down. Because I kind of burned my whole life down. And I really love what I've been able
1: to build. Yeah, definitely. And even Dark Bird, I was saying to you before, it's it's a different... It's a different Jake Wesley Rogers, right? It's actually more, I would say, not guitar-oriented, but like just a, a heavier sound, mm-hmm. a more robust sound. Usually it's yourself and a piano, and, and it feels a little bit more uh, streamlined in terms of the, the, the uh, musicianship. Now you've added this grandiose mm-hmm. pop thing, which is incredible. And what a great song. Uh, mm-hmm. And you have a couple other songs that are dropping Think of the next few weeks. Let's talk about those, too. Yeah,
2: yeah. I have this one, Lavender Forever. I'm- really excited about you know i think if dark bird is kind of a this dark um rock energy i feel like this one is kind of the flip side of it the the light that comes after it and the celebration that comes after you burn your
1: life down (laughs) i love i love artists like uh like bowie that constantly change and evolve and and like yourself i would say too i mean how important would you say like is image to you and fashion and a lot of things when you when you look at artists like boeing you see how they've evolved over the years i mean do you relate to an artist like david and,
2: totally yeah. um i think reinvention is yeah key and sometimes i feel like i <laughs> like i have to slow myself down a little bit yeah because I'm like, people are still coming to the party, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, if I can't... <laughs> like, my instinct is just to dye my hair a different color, like, every three weeks. But um, and maybe I should. I'd be, I, don't, I don't really put that much rules as far as... But I do love, like, kind of embodying the song. Mm. And embody... Like, especially... I think that's one of the beautiful things about social media is it does allow the artist to kind of paint this picture of... What a song is to them, and um, that's what's so fun about Dark Bird. Was like for the first time, I was able to kind of do these kind of dark, gothy images and dive into that witchiness, and then this next thing is so spring and floral. And yeah, I don't get bored. <laughs> yeah, I
1: was gonna say, the witchiness is interesting, right? Because you yeah. do love a bit of tarot cards, yeah, yeah, and so uh, I know that you spend a little bit of time with those, so. It, tarot cards tell you anything in terms of this next year and where you're headed and maybe the new record is it usually pretty true to you when you do the cards
2: yeah i mean it told me that i shouldn't date anybody for a really long time so <laughs> <laughs> you follow it pretty religiously or that's not, the, right? that's the main theme of this year it's <laughs> right. like don't date anybody <laughs> don't date anybody what about career wise too what, what, what i do don't you say? i honestly don't read them that much for a career i don't know if it freaks me out or Not even freaks me out, but, like, because they are really accurate. And sometimes I feel like so much of what we do as artists is just insane and you kind of have to follow the path. Yeah. And I also feel like my gut's pretty strong and I'm able to kind of listen to my instincts. And sometimes I just know. But sometimes I do need reassurance, you know. I feel like I use tarot more for just, like, like say on a release day it's like okay what should i remember today you know yeah like less like is this gonna change my life because we'll just let that happen
1: (laughs) did it say anything about this interview in the tarot cards i i I did not i did not ask (laughs) okay i didn't ask but i did have a really good reading yesterday so maybe that was that was involved (laughs) yeah (laughs) amazing well let's talk about your friendship with elton john madonna you've so many incredible celebrity fans. I mean, meeting Elton John, having Elton John interview you for his 300th show must have been incredible. I love that Elton calls you like an elongated version <laughs> of himself, right, when he was when he was younger. Um, how did it feel to be interviewed by him and to have him be such a huge fan? I think that Jake from the Scissor Sisters, Jake Shears, mm-hmm. initially turned him on to middle love and and that's how you guys met right
2: yeah jake was one of the people i met in new orleans so oh okay all leading back to the it really does it all leads back i think that's one of the reasons i was supposed to go is to meet jake and so where'd you meet jake by the way how did you how did you come to meet him jake was we met this is kind of random but the music video i did for momentary when i was in new orleans i flew to la to film that video and the stylist um olivia purdock had just worked with Jake, and she was like, "Where are you living?" And I was like, "I'm in New Orleans," and um, she's like, "Oh, I know Jake Shears," and I knew who Jake Shears was, and she was like, oh, "I'll introduce you, to you." And I thought she was kind of, you know, people say that all yeah, the time, yeah. like, "I never do." Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> yeah. then right come back, she's like, oh, and then Jake like called me, and that's. I feel like that's like the New Orleans spirit though. Is mm-hmm. like, it is so friendly and welcoming, because it's such a weird place, yeah. you know, and also not many people just go there. So I think when you go there and and, and Jake has a place there, he was just immediately welcoming and I met this beautiful group of creative, fabulous people through him. And yeah, I played him some of my songs and he was like, Elton needs to hear this. And I was kind of like, (laughs) <laughs> You're
1: like Elton oh, John needs it. Okay days?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sure <laughs> And again I was like You know people say things right, Like right. yeah you can send it If yeah. you want to send it um, And then do you get a phone call
1: From Elton John Or how does it how No do I
2: didn't talk to him Until uh, the interview But
1: yeah um, So someone let's say At the label of Darren Or someone comes to you And says hey Elton John Actually wants to interview you about Yeah yeah he
2: told Jake We were kind of like Talking through Jake for a minute And the whole time I was still just kind of Dissociating um (laughs) and and yeah the whole interview was kind of like very real you're pinching
1: yourself is this really happening
2: totally yeah totally just trying to stay calm and uh and it was it was i think now that i'm a few months out of it though i'm able to be like okay that was one of the coolest things now has he come to see you play yet or have you no sadly um just because of covid we haven't been able to Connect, yeah. I was with Jake again in New Orleans, and we saw him play, but his whole tour was, like,
1: locked down, so he couldn't even say hi. But but I do have some intel. This interview probably won't run till around April, May. Okay. I think you might be performing somewhere where Elton is, so I think you will officially yes. meet in person. Hey, <laughs> and so, hey uh, it might be on the Instagram, yeah. so in the future. <laughs> yeah Well, yeah, by the time this is out, it'll be public. And there is a tour... I believe coming out later this year, you'll be announcing. Yes. plans. Yeah. You're very, excited very, about soon. it? Oh my God, I'm so excited.
2: I've just, I think that's, that was one of the weirdest parts about releasing music, like kind of during the heat of COVID is just couldn't play. Yeah. Um, and I just love playing so much, but, but one of the beautiful things we were able to kind of build, build this ship and, and, and find people who like the music. And so now it, now it's surreal for me because you know team's kind of saying like you know we're ready to do a tour and i'm like are you sure (laughs) i've never played in tucson arizona (laughs) but if you say so like let's do it let's try so i'm i'm over the moon to to actually like connect with the people out there because you know you kind of feel like you're in a void
1: sometimes when you're making music and you forget that it can make an impact and And you're such a great performer that it's a lot about who you are. But I was going to say, along the way, you have played at... You just got back from South by Southwest, Mm -hmm. which looked like an incredible show. And you played at Lollapalooza, Bonnaroo. But even earlier on, I think when you did a tour of Europe, you were playing like really small venues. Totally, yeah. Almost like bed and breakfast, as though I saw on YouTube. Yeah, It was very small. So what do you prefer? What's been your favorite gig so far? The Troubadour gig, as I mentioned to you, is one of my standout gigs (laughs) in the last like five years. So I left that show just thinking... Jake, Wesley Rogers is a star mm. and I told the whole world about it. I think I actually spoke about you on the show probably mm. a year ago after, or whenever it was, it was October. So, but, um, yeah, I, I spoke, I spoke about that show for like weeks to come. Mm. Um, because also the energy you create on stage, I think you might've covered Madonna, like yeah. a virgin that night. Yeah. And your rapport with your band is great. It almost Mm. seems like you're like a great group of friends, and the way you joke around. I I can't remember specifically what was going on, but I do remember there was a lot of camaraderie between all the band members. I love them so much. Yeah, we do truth or dare. Exactly, the the truth or dare thing that I remember, (laughs) which was great on stage. Um, I was
2: like, I don't know. I I feel like when you go to a show and they introduce the band, sometimes it's kind of this like awkward like long process, which is important. You'd have to introduce your band, but like, what's the way to do that's more yeah. memorable. And it's like, yeah, let's play truth or dare. And it's really not scripted. So <laughs> whatever. And I think I'm going to keep that. Yeah. I just, um, I don't, that troubadour show was very special for many reasons. Cause that was kind of, that was my first headline show back. It was my first sold out show ever, I think. Wow. Um, and to, play it there which just oozes with history definitely um well i think elton john one
1: of his first concerts yeah, was exactly at the from when i remember yeah
2: yeah i mean they all played there yeah and everybody still plays there you know it's kind of in my favorite place to go see people i think you did you just have cassandra jenkins on right yeah
1: i just saw her there yeah, yeah.
2: she's been one of my favorites lately she's
1: great she was actually huh. on spin's uh, top 10 record of the year oh god that record's so, so good it's a great record yeah that record like changed me last year (laughs) yeah but i feel like when you have such an intimate relationship with your audience Mm -hmm. if you play a big festival like Lollapalooza or bonnaroo it's not the same you can't maybe connect with the audience as much as when you play those smaller venues which do you prefer
2: Mm. i do prefer a club show i mean i think you can't really beat that electricity of just like bodies you know this is scary coming out of covid but like just bodies slammed together at the front (laughs) of the stage like you know um but I think there are, I'm learning there are, you know, like South by Southwest, for instance, like there are ways to, when it's outside and there's more space, there's ways to include everybody. Yeah. It's just sometimes you have to get jump a little in, more creative. Jump in the audience, maybe? I do jump in the yeah. audience, yeah. I <laughs> yeah. I I'd, I'd, I'd do that if I, if I really want to grab them. <laughs> Sing in someone's face. I love it. it.
1: Tell me the story, by the way, live from a courthouse, which was a great uh, little Mm -hmm. piece you did that's on YouTube too, and a great show. What was the idea behind that? Well, we did that because um, I couldn't play a show. Yeah. Um,
2: Because that was May of, or April of 2021. So the idea was like, well, one of the biggest selling points of me is my live performance. So we need to like, as we release music, we need to be able to share that so we had a few different ideas for live performances and i kind of i don't know i a lot of the songs on the ep are kind of about like either weddings or funerals or kind of like the like the things we do as humans because perhaps we feel like we have to and um i was i was still in nashville and there's this like old ass courthouse and it was perfect. It was so like seventies and like paneled and, um, you know, I, I wanted to, to kind of bring my songs into this place, especially in like a Southern courthouse. Like the, I can't even begin (laughs) to imagine what went the history, the terrible things that probably happened there. I'm sure. Um, and the exclusion of so many people there. And, Mm. um, and specifically I was just thinking of, you know queerness and you're getting married at the courthouse like even though it's allowed now like it's definitely not like I think if this wasn't like a tiny town you know so it was a lot of things and you know we were able just to kind of bring our love into it and it's one of my favorite things I've ever done and it's you know kind of the first thing that opened a door to a lot of people like that's we I post that performance and that's the thing that like Kate Hudson shared that day and it kind of brought all these new people into my m- music. So
1: yeah, I'm just thrilled with how it turned out. It was incredible. Speaking of Kate Hudson, you have an incredible celebrity fan base. Like we spoke about, have you met all these celebrity fans of yours so far? or Some of them? I haven't met all of them, but some of them I have I met. Kate Hudson came to my show in
2: New York city, which is so sweet, which is so funny. Cause it was like, you know, Mercury lounge, which yeah, is like great place an amazing venue but it's yeah. just so funny <laughs> you know this kind of like there's no backstage yeah. you know like <laughs> right. it's the backstage is the stage the backstage is literally the stage <laughs> yeah. um yeah so met her um haven't um i don't know well i, I and then i finally met ryan reynolds too and he's been a super super sweet big fan the past year
1: and we is, talked about the fact year. that we'll have to have you meet Courtney love at some point God, because I she's a that. huge fan mm. and uh, she was posting about you we talked about it before but one a couple last things I want to ask you Jake too I mean you're on waters now you're on Justin's label mm-hmm. how is it different for you versus like yourself and your manager early on DIY doing things on your own it was probably just a couple of you on tour years ago and now yeah. you're part of this big machine which is a great machine uh and we love the folks at warner's yeah. um but uh tell me how how life is different for you now when you put out a record now how does life how is life different obviously you do a lot of these things but also like i said and we were talking about it you're on you know you're on ellen you're on jimmy fallon you're on all these amazing talk shows now and early on you were just playing mm. little venues so I, I think things have to be different for you now and just talk about breaking a new artist now what it, what it means to, you to be part of this different method of uh, of being a performer
2: yeah. Um things are definitely different, but I always just have to come back to the music and the songs. Yeah. And why I did it and why I started and and I also think that like, you know, it was just me in the beginning and then just me and my manager and you have to keep those relationships the strongest so cuz the more people you add on the team, the more opinions there are. True. And, um luckily I been really blessed with a team that kind of for the most part just agrees with what i'm doing and they kind of just let me do what i want to do and um but also like step in when 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 jake isn't seeing super clearly too so it's a lot you know i won't i won't lie i think it's a lot to juggle just like you know writing and then making tiktoks and then doing the visuals and but it's the i mean it's a gift too to be able to do this and it's a privilege and i have to like zoom out yeah a lot yeah and and just kind of realize how magnificent
1: life is life is Yeah. yeah well i'm excited for the full length record thank you the music is fantastic the tour coming up uh, anything else we can talk about by May? I guess there there are other things we can talk about. There's a couple new songs that are dropping, like we mentioned. Yeah, and then the tour should be announced, I think, in about a month or so. Yeah,
2: tour will be announced really soon. Okay, which so we'll, we'll, so fun. we'll have yeah. you back
1: on. Darkbird yeah. is the new song that's out now. Yeah, so make sure you all tune in. Uh, where can we find? Obviously TikTok, which yeah. I love what you're doing on TikTok. Yeah. So check out Jake's yeah. TikTok. Check out Jake's Instagram. Obviously the site and and all the music that you're putting out. I love what you do. Thank you for being so incredible. Oh, my God. And uh, one of my favorite new artists. So I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having and, me. Uh, and I'll see you for sure when you play in L.A. next. Heck, yeah. See you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks so Jake. much. You're listening to Lips L.A. with Scott Lips. Well, that was awesome. Jake Wesley Rogers, a star is born. If you like the show, please make sure you tell a friend or a few friends about the show. The show is free. Coming to every other Monday. And also follow me on all forms of social media, at Scott Lips on Instagram. I'm on Cameo. Hit me up there. And we'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it